All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to Dropping the Gloves with John and Tim. We're back on a nice Monday morning. You know what's great about winter is it's brisk, it's cool, it hasn't snowed yet, which I'm kind of happy about. You know what I mean? Some some years I'm like, bring it on, bring on the snow. This year, I am so grateful that it hasn't snowed yet, and I don't know why. It just feels nice. I don't have to worry about shoveling or plowing or anything. It's just... It's been really nice. It's December 7th. There's no snow on the ground, and I'm, I'm okay with that. So I'm doing well, Tim. How are you? I forgot it was December 7th. You know what that, why that day is important? Is it your birthday? No. It's a day that will live in infamy. I have no idea. The uh, anniversary of Pearl Harbor. The attacks oh, on Pearl Harbor. Yeah. Is that right? 1941. Oh, I didn't know that. Yep. Crazy. Is that the moment? that obviously it's the moment that turned the war. Do you think if you go back and Japan doesn't attack Pearl Harbor, Germany wins that war in Europe and USA never joins? They would have joined. It just accelerated things. And the idea, like they knew US was going to join. So the idea was to take out their Navy in the Pacific to just devastate them and, and just basically take them out of the war. Um, but it did the opposite. It just mobilized them even faster. Yeah, because the US hasn't really, they didn't really, turn on their industry to complete war mode it was still just like you know that war is pretty bad maybe we'll get involved at one point yeah and they just poked the bear and it was just like game over like it, it was a complete turnaround after that point so i wonder hindsight's 2020 of japan do you think hitler had any say on what japan did i'm sure he was advocating for something but i don't really know you know intimately that but it's kind of one of the great what ifs in history. Like if that hadn't happened, how would the rest of the war have shaken out? If if you if the U.S. hasn't joined, maybe the Germany takes out England or Russia or the Soviet Union. Yeah, yeah. 
It wasn't Russia back then, Tim. It was the Soviet Union. Well, Russia was a country in the Soviet Union. Nah, it was the USSR. I've I've heard the songs back okay. in the USSR. But anyways, very good. I didn't know that. See, Tim, I, I keep you around for some reason. This is our yeah, yeah, our history segment of the show. It's pretty. You should do a history segment for those of I, you who don't know. Tim, um, Tim LARPs with um the ww2 stuff the world war ii so he dresses up as a soldier and he runs around and he pew pew with the with the pretend guns with other guys it's really cool i've never seen it but i just <laughs> assume it's kind of neat right tim yeah that's exactly it yep i we just make the, the sounds with our mouths while we run around yeah someone brings us a couple of glasses of lemonade at the, after it for a little break 10 minute well, break you gotta stay hydrated yep you're out yep. there working hard. Pew, pew. We have You're a different dead. mom making cookies every week, so it's nice. It's a little volunteer, you know. Tim loses every time, though. He's he's hoping for an upset one one year, but it never happens. He's like, come on, Germany, and then they lose every time. It's never going to change, Tim, as much as you wish it. It's not going to make it true. But anyways, I was scrolling through my ESPN app like I do. since oh, I don't have cable at my house. Do you know that? Yeah, you, you say that every episode. We don't have a TV, and on Sundays it's a big hit to the to the day because I usually turn on the game, watch a couple games when the kids are sleeping or outside playing. I'll just throw it on because I enjoy myself some football. So I was I was catching up on some highlights. You know what drives me nuts? It's it's a highlight. It's like bench clearing brawl in the NFL. I'm like sweet. I need to see this. Let's see what kind of carnage went down in this football game. It was Miami and Cincinnati. Someone leveled the punt returner before the ball even got there. And I guess it was the second time that happened in the game. And the coach was upset for Miami, and he rushed on the field. And when the coach gets in it, the players get in it. And all of a sudden, the announcers are going, the the benches are clearing. I'm like, okay, like let's see what happens. These are big, big men. Like These men are six foot eight, 300-plus pounds. They work out for a living. They're bulging biceps. Like We're going to see some massive carnage. And it's just like nothing. A couple shoves, a couple dirty glances, and that's about it. That constitutes a bench-clearing brawl in football these days. And then it just got me thinking, what is a – like, A, what's a bench-clearing brawl, first of all? Because you hear that term thrown around all the time. And B, what sport has the best bench-clearing brawls in history? If you could pick, like, one bench-clearing brawl, It'd be like, that one was the best one out of all the sports. And I was just kind of sitting around, batting it around. I think the sport that has the most bench-clearing brawls nowadays is baseball. They have one. They average one one every couple weeks, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Yep. Someone will get plunked. Some manager will get upset and doink another batter. And then it's a bench-clearing brawl. And every once in a while, there was a good one with the Jays and the Texas Rangers a few years back. When Bautista and Ruff, Ruff and Oder, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but Od- yeah. Oder or Otter. Odor. Odor. He belted Batista. Right so right good. Right it was so nice. good. And I was, I'm a big Blue Jay fan. I, I took offense to that. I was like, come on. I actually had a, a personal experience with um, Bautista. One time we were in Tampa Bay. We were out after dinner and in walked Sabathia and Jose Bautista. And I was like, this is pretty cool. It was during their spring training and CC Sabathia and Jose Bautista walk in. Where were you? Uh, um, Tampa. At a restaurant? Yeah. Yeah. And it was one of those restaurants that like kind of transitions after restaurant time to like party time. And it was around that time we had a late dinner and I was like 
lingering because I saw Bautista. I'm like, I got to go soon. I want to see Bautista and Sabathia. And I got to see them and meet them. And I was like, this is cool. There's a couple other Jays players there and Yankees players. I didn't really recognize them, but it was neat to see them. So when I saw him in that brawl, I was like, dang, Bautista, you got to like prepare yourself. If you step to somebody and you're like coming in hot, you need to get your hands prepared. You can't just go in and stick your chin out and take one right on the right on the button like that. Anyways, so I would say baseball has the most brawls overall, bench clearing brawls. I'm doing quotation marks with my hands. Next to that, I don't think hockey has them anymore. In the NHL, we're going just NHL. When's the last time you saw a bench clearer where all the players jumped off the bench? Never. That doesn't happen anymore. It's been decades, right? I, I can't think of the last time. I don't even think I played in a game where during the play, a whistle was blown and all the players players cleared the benches. Like We've had it in warm-ups where there was brawls. Like That's more common than actual bench clearing brawl during the game. After the period where there's a scuffle after the game, I've been a part of that, but never during the game. So I don't know. It just got me thinking, which, which sport, Tim, would you be most nervous to be in a bench clearing brawl in? It has to be hockey, right? I mean, those are the guys that actually throw punches and stuff and will actually get like basketball. They'll get in your face, maybe a shove, but you hardly ever see someone take a swing. Same with football and they're wearing helmets. I mean, baseball would be up there because you have seen some guys land some big punches there. Um, and usually, I mean, when there's, when there's brawls, there's physical contact all the time, right? There's guys shoving and getting each other's faces. Um, but the, but no one does it like hockey. I mean, I'm not just saying that because hockey is my favorite sport. I mean, that's just – it has to be hockey. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. And, and it's just counterintuitive because if you were to just line up everybody of every sport, like just against a wall, you would not pick a hockey guy to be the scariest guy to be in a fight with. You'd go, that guy is an absolute monster. The basketball player who's seven feet, 250 pounds. That offensive lineman is a scary human being. But then you get them in a fight, and they don't know how to throw a punch. They don't know how to protect themselves. They don't know what to do in that situation. And it's just funny. I always go back to the Mike Tyson quote, you can prepare all you want. You could do everything you want. No one knows how to react until you get punched in the face. And Growing up, I used to get in dust-ups on the weekend and stuff, and these guys were these, like, you know, beach beach um, bodybuilders, and they were just jacked, like, just probably on steroids, just huge upper bodies. And here I am, this lanky 20-year-old kid just coming out of the AHL or coming out of college, just about to go to Houston. And, you know, I, I might have had a chip on my shoulder because I had been in a few fights myself, and they just start cocking off, like, ah, oh, you, you're not tough, like this and that. Look at you. What do you weigh, 180 pounds? And I would calmly take my watch, put it in my pocket. And that was the signal to my friends that things are going to get wild here. So just be careful. And I would say, well, let's just step outside. I don't want to mess up this establishment. And I'm not even kidding. We would do that. It was like Jack Reacher. He'd be like, let's go outside. Better pay your bill first. And I wouldn't say that, but I'd go, let's, let's just head outside and have a chat. And I'd take my watch off because I, I broke my watch one time during an altercation. I never forgot it. I was like, that's a bummer. It was a nice watch. I think it was like a fossil. Remember the old fossil watches? It was a really nice one. It probably cost 40 bucks, but I was upset. And I would just beat the doors off these guys because they would come up and they'd start bouncing around. They'd be all muscled up. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'd calmly just put my fists up and they'd come in with the wild over, over, the, over the top swing. You know how they do it. It comes from like, comes from the ground. 
and it'd come over the top. And if it did connect, it would like come from my forehead and smear down my face to my chin. And after they would miss that punch, I would come right down Broadway and just lay him out on the, on the pavement. And it would happen every other week. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like every other week, you couldn't ask my friends growing up. They'd rip their shirts off. They'd go crazy. They were all jacked up. People would kick. They'd throw their shoes off. And I would just go right down, right down the pipe. And it would usually take just one. And then they would either go down or they would like realize what's happening. And they're like, okay, I'm walking away from this. And we'd, I'd put my watch back on and we'd go back in the bar and I'd go have a drink. And that was the end of it. And it was great. So that's what I see from these big guys. I'm like, you don't know how to fight. You well, okay. don't know how to handle yourself. I, I totally believe all this, but like, how, what's it like to be just going out and just thinking, okay, I'm probably going to get in a fight tonight. Like 50-50 chance that this ends in some kind of altercation, just a night out with your friends. It was expected because I, I used to hang out with an antagonistic crowd. Like I, my, my, one of my good friends back then, Justin Moyer, he would always start stuff. We'd be what, and some of the times I didn't like it, you know, the stuff he would do, but it just happened. Um, Joe Oliver and Ricky Bergen and like, those were my buddies growing up and um, stuff would just happen. And it would always end up not always. And maybe I'm over-exaggerating. Maybe there was a summer where it was every other weekend, but you know, it, it happened quite a bit where we'd be sitting in front of subway or, robin's donuts or whatever after the bar and someone would you know i had one guy smack the pizza right out of my hand he was like some cop and he smacked my pizza i probably told us on the, on the show i was like why are we doing this he's like i don't like the way you're at throwing pe-. like we were throwing our plates into the garbage can or something we were just being kids or whatever and he's like yeah, you're not being respectful and i stood up i said i like that pizza <laughs> And I said, all right, let's go. He kicked off his shoes. He started bouncing around. His buddy's like, he's a kickboxer. I'm like, oh, great. Like, here we go. Kick me in my thigh. I grabbed them, uppercutted them. And that was the end of it. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's just funny. Do you ever lose one? On the yeah, street? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got knocked out by a rugby guy. We were just kind of, I didn't realize he was a smaller guy. Those smaller guys, they get you every time. And he was just kind of being belligerent. And I said something and he said something. I was like, what are you going to do about it? He got off his bar stool and just boink <laughs> i found out later he was like a really good rugby player so i learned my lesson don't don't mess with the rugby players but yeah you're not gonna win them all but gotta win some lose some anyways moving on what else are we gonna do today tim what do you want to talk about we were brainstorming a little bit about um the difference between being an nhl player and an ahl player and you we spoke about it before some of the obvious things like yeah your hotel room's not gonna be as nice more bus rides than plane trips, that kind of thing. But I want to know a little bit more some of the the unspoken things or things that people don't realize. Maybe the expectation, maybe things that people would be surprised by when they get called up and you're like, "Really? This is what I got to do? This is my this is what I I get now?" And maybe maybe that some of the I don't want to say negative, but things that you maybe you didn't love about being a pro player, the expectation that you had that you didn't have to deal with in the minors. Well, yeah, we were throwing this idea around around, and it's interesting how when you change your income level, you change the way you live your life. And when you first get called up from the NHL to the AHL, you're still living an AHL mentality. You're still living that AHL life. You don't have the zeros in the bank account like the other guys do. So when you get called up, you have to pal around with those guys. You want to. You want to do what they do and be where be where they are because that's just the experience. And that's what you waited your whole life for. So my first call up, you know, 
I wanted to hang around Miku Koivu and Derek Bugard and Brent Burns and Nick Schultz and Owen Nolan. Like I, I was like a little puppy dog holding on to their coattails. Like, this is great. But what you don't realize is when you fly into a city and everyone's like, let's go grab dinner. You're like, fine. In the AHL, when you fly into a city and you go grab dinner, you go to the Olive Garden. You go to like a, a chain restaurant, a Chili's. That's what you do in the AHL. If you're in Canada, you go to like uh, Moxie's, you know, that those are the restaurants you go to. And I'm not knocking those restaurants. They're great restaurants. But when you go to the NHL, you go to restaurants I'd never even heard of before. You go to Ocean Prime, you go to Morton's, you go to like Tao, like all these like fancy, fancy places. And so I remember walking into a place in New York I had never heard of before. Eric Belanger set it up and we have a private room. We go in there. And I open up the menu and this is the first time I've ever experienced this in my whole life where there was no prices on the menu. And I remember I leaned to somebody and I was like, what, why, why is there no prices on, on this menu? And the guy goes, if, if you have to ask that question, you probably shouldn't be here. And I was like, <laughs> I know, I know I shouldn't be here. What's going on. And I got the bill and I, I was hungry. You know, I was a young kid. We were playing. It was, it was great. I was out with the boys. Everybody was ordering steaks and beers and, you know, appetizers and salads. And I just kind of went along with the, with the group. I got my bill. It must've been $250. And I almost just died because it was my first week of the season. I hadn't gotten a paycheck in the A you get paid every two weeks, same as in the NHL, but your paychecks, like, I think I got like a thousand or two a week, every two weeks. But then you have current payments and house payments and stuff. You end up taking home like five, six hundred bucks every two weeks in the AHL at that time. And I was like sweating. I'm like, I don't know, like if I can swing this. And I, you know, I swallowed it and I, I did it. But that was my eye-opening experience. Where it's like, holy moly! Like there are a, a few negatives the first few years when you get called up because you have to go around with these guys. You can't just say, no, no, I'm good. I'm gonna, you know, hit the dominoes on the corner. I'm gonna go to Subway. Or I'm going to, cause like that, that's the normal thing to do in the AHL where, yeah, you go to Subway. That's your lunch. That's what you do. Not in the AHL or in the NHL. You go to sushi, you go to steak or whatever. Another thing that I noticed was, do you have any suits, Tim? Yeah, I have a few. Like where did, when did you get them? Where did you get them? How did you get them? Uh, I got two of the last two years cause I was in wedding parties for my buddy. So I had to get a new suit for each of those, like as a groomsman. Um, and I think I had two before that, one black, one gray, probably from Macy's or Milton's or something like that. Not yeah, crazy expensive. I was, a, I was the same way. I had a suit growing up. I, I played college hockey, so you needed a suit. So I got a suit. We got it from JCPenney or Sears or whatever it may be. Nothing crazy. I had this one suit, and maybe one other one. And I took so much heat from the guys because they're like, what are you wearing? Like, you need to step your game up. And just that personal peer pressure, you have to get a nice suit. And being a taller gentleman, it's like, I can't go into Nordstrom's or Nordstrom's rack or Macy's and just grab a suit off the rack. I can't do it. I got, so I had to get it custom made. I had to go into a tailor. So I go to this place in Minneapolis, Marty Mathis, Clothier, great, still, still there to this day. Great, great job. But gosh, I got a couple shirts and a suit and it was like $3,000. And I'm like, this is insane. So there are costs associated with, you know, stepping up your game. And as a young kid, you're like, man, I don't want to do this. I had no signing bonus, nothing. So I know this is like kind of really stretching it, but 
it does make a difference. If you're not used to spending that much money, you have to switch your mentality. Be like, I do make this much money. I have to, you know, live that life. And it's funny. You wonder looking back, I'm like, man, how much money did I spend on suits and restaurants and going out? And yeah, going out in the AHL, we would go out to a bar. The whole team would be there. We'd get a bucket of beers. You know what I mean? We, we would grab eight to 20 beers and we'd sit around a table and that would be it. Or we'd just go to someone's house and have a bucket of beers. Like that was the extent of partying in the NHL. They don't do that. Like when they go out, it's just bottle service. Like it's all it is. It's insane. And the bill comes, it's like $25,000 and you're just sitting there staring around at people. It's like, well, what do we do? Who's paying for this? (laughs) And I I, like hand the captain a hundred dollar bill. I'm like, is this enough? Is this going to, help and it's just such a strange situation to be in when literally someone would make that in a year and here we are a group of 20 year old kids spending it in one night isn't that wild like didn't i mean did part of you also love it i mean it must have been really cool to get like be 20 years old all of a sudden getting the vip stuff getting the bottle service the back rooms i mean you must have been loving that too right well, yeah, there, there's definitely that experience where you just anticipate this stuff your whole life. And then all of a sudden it comes to fruition. And here you are sitting with like Jonathan Taves and Kaner and Jumbo and, and like all these guys, Marion Gabrix. And it's just like Henrik Lundqvist is right around the corner and you're sitting next to him and you're in New York City. It's like, this is pretty stinking cool. But then I was always aware of that, but I always understood like, this is not normal. You know what I mean? Like this is... This is not the normal life everyone lives because I, I still would go home in, at the end of the year and live a normal life. I didn't, I didn't kind of carry over the hockey lifestyle. I would go back home and like go to Subway and grab a sub and go to Chipotle. And I don't know, but it was cool. I, I did embrace it. But yeah, man, every, every rookie dinner I was a part of, like I'm not even kidding you. One of them was close to $40,000. And I know that's insane to like talk about, but it's just, it's just the way it was. It's so incredibly insane. So yeah, it's wild, especially so, now that I'm not in hockey and I'm starting to work on my own. I get a paycheck and it's just like, that is like that, that this is what real life is like. It's so bizarre. It really is strange. And I know I probably sound really conceited and stuck up, but that's, that's the way it is. You live in this like ulterior life where money's not an object. It's just so very strange. And now that I'm out of hockey for three years, going on four, and money is an object where it's a real-life thing where it's like, okay, I need to be smart. I need to set a budget. I need to do this, this, and this. It's, it's just a completely different way of thinking because for 10 years, that wasn't really, wasn't really a part of my life where I was like, okay, I'm going to buy this car for 50 grand. I'm just going to pay for it. You know what I mean? I'm not like the guy when I bought the car was like, you know, are you going to set up a payment plan or would you like a loan? How are you going to finance this? I'm like, no, I'm just going to pay cash. Like, can I, can I just give you this money? You know what I mean? It, it's just now I, I completely think differently, but it's just funny that your kids, like your absolute kids living this lifestyle and people just, it's, it's hard to understand unless you're in it. That's why when I sent that tweet out last week, people are like, you know, you should be lucky to play. You should be this and that. And I, I, I kind of agree with them, but I, I really don't because we have a finite amount of time to make this money and we should demand money why shouldn't players want as much money as they can get when the owners are making money hand over fist 
I think you, when you look at it like that, where it's like, okay, this kid's 18 years old. He's probably going to play for four or five years if he's lucky. Then after that, what is he going to do? Be a coach, maybe, you know, go back to his minor league team and, you know, be a legend at home. You you have to maximize it. You have to get as much as you can as quick as you can. So anyways. Well, it's interesting too, because you kind of had a, a unique mindset, I think. And I remember when we talked to Danielle last year when she was on the show, she kind of talked about like you guys sort of operated under the idea that this whole thing could be taken away from you every year. Like you thought every year was going to be your last. Every off season was terrifying because it wasn't like, where am I going to go? It's like, am I going to have anywhere to go? Right. And it was, so you guys sort of like, you know, kind of kept up with the Joneses as you could, but also like she wasn't hanging out with like Gabrick's wife five nights a week because you, like, you guys couldn't keep up with that lifestyle. Right. And, yeah. It, and, and it's the truth when it's, it's very competitive. And especially being a wife, and I know she can speak to this more than I can, obviously, but when you walk into the wives room and you see the wives, what they're wearing, the, the shoes, the purse, the dress, the, the everything, the handbags, the rings, the jewelry, it's intimidating. And I know Danielle wasn't really aware of it for the first year or so. She'd walk in with like, you know, her yoga pants and a sweatshirt and a hat, and she just liked being around. But then once you get to know the people and you see kind of the attitudes, the girls are kind of clicky a little bit where they want to hang out with the guys who make a lot of money. And I was always a fourth line guy. So there was always that divide between the wives and the, you know, the, the rich guys and the poor guys. And I don't want to mean poor, but on, on the team, like the 10 million and the minimum, minimum salary guys. So it, it is funny. And then it's, it's the same as the guys. My first few years, I pulled up to the rink in my, my Chevy Silverado, just a pickup truck. And guys would be pulling up in, you know, Bentleys and Lamborghinis and Range Rovers and like all this stuff. And I, I drove my pickup truck for a long time until it got broken into and I sold it. And I was like, I need to upgrade. So that's when I, you know, upgraded my car a few years into my career. But it's, uh, it is funny. It, it, everybody has that competition level, be it whether you're working at McDonald's, which I did as a kid, or you're in the NHL and you're all making a lot of money. Everybody has that level of competition where you want to be where someone's at. And uh, I don't know. It never goes away, but it's just, it's kind of interesting. Indeed.com. 2020 is almost over. Finally, I can't believe it. It's December. Thank goodness. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient. Working abroad, you can't go into work which means every hire is critical. That's why Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job sites. That's what you want. You get eyes on your job. You don't post it and three schlubs in Indiana look at it. You get everybody all over the world. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. And now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do, baby. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit, $75 to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. So try out Indeed with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere right here on my show. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. 
Terms and conditions apply. You better believe it. Football is back, and it's in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. So head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at betonline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet Online, they are your online sports book experts. What about like, I mean, you, it was like, it's been like 15 years since you broke into the league for the first time, right? Or close to it. Yeah. But I mean, obviously the, the cap and the, the contracts have grown a ton since then. Do you remember what, I mean, the best guys on the team would have been like Gabrick, Owen, Nolan, right? Who, what were they making? Do you remember what their salaries were around that time? It was still an insane amount of money, but I think Gabrick was five, $6 million. And he was one of the premier guys in the league. So yeah. it wasn't to the... The, the normal eight, nine, ten million dollars at that time. I still think like Yager was making a lot at that time. Gretzky was making a boatload. Like those guys were still pulling down some serious money, but it wasn't to the extent it is now. I think the salary cap when I broke into the league, the ceiling was sixty-five. I want to say, and now it's eighty-two. So that's a big chunk of money. And usually when they raise the salary cap, that money doesn't go to the lower end players. It just goes to the higher end guys. That's that's the funny thing about raising the salary cap. They think it will like trickle down. It never does. That's why when they raise the salary cap, they always have to keep raising the the minimum because if if the minimum is still six fifty, there's still going to be that chunk of guys at six fifty. Right. So it is like it just gets the richer guys richer. So they just have to keep like it'll be nice when the minimum salary is a million dollars. That'll happen within the next ten years, depending on when the salary cap freeze ends. So did you have any nights where you did get stuck with like just an abnormally huge bill that you were on the hook for? Like you ever have to drop like just thousands and you just yeah. got screwed over or something? Yeah. Well, the credit card game, right? Oh, so yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it's, uh, man, I don't know why I do it. It's never my idea. So for those of you who don't know, most of you probably do. The credit card game is when a group of guys go out to dinner and the bill comes and you throw your credit card in a hat. And you can play it two ways. You can play it the first one who gets picked out pays the bill or the last one who gets picked pays the bill. I've always done the last one who gets picked out it pays the bill because it adds to the drama. It adds to the intensity. You can see the fear on guys' face when it happens. And that's what you do. So it, it's fun. I, I've got a lot of free meals that way, but I've also paid a few meals where it's like, why did I play this game? I, I distinctly remember one meal where you're in Columbus and I was with the Chicago Blackhawks at the time. And we had half the team out to dinner. And those nights are always fun. You know, I think we had just a practice the next day. So, you know, a couple bottles of wine, a couple beers, nothing too insane. But just the guys are relaxed. It's, it's a nice night out. You don't usually get that on the road. You either fly in the day of the game or the night before. You never usually have a day off on the road. So it was a very, very nice break from the norm. So we picked a nice restaurant in Columbus. It was a good steakhouse. We had a nice meal. The guys were drinking the wine. It was great. The bill comes and I didn't even see it. 
I was asking for separate bills. So I'm like, can we get this, you know, separate? And I, I always did that. I was, I would always ask the waiter, can I just pay my portion and I'll get out of here? Like, cause I didn't want to deal with any of that stuff, but I didn't have a chance during that dinner. And everyone's like credit card game. And I was like, that's, you know what? It's fine. There's 12 guys here. There's like a less than 10% chance I have to pay this bill and put them in the hat. Everybody, everything's good. Pulling out cards, pulling out cards, pulling out cards. Oh, Marion Host, are you here? Oh, uh, Jonathan Taves, are you here? Patrick Sharp, are you here? Oh, uh, uh, who else is here? Uh, Brent Seabrook, are you here? And the cards keep getting pulled out. And it goes on. And the less cards are in there, the longer the pause is because the waitress loves it. She's just like milking every second of it. She thinks it's great. It's very, I don't know how often like a whole team of players comes in. So she's, it's interesting. And it gets down to the final three, and it's me, Brian Bickle, and um, Nicholas Jalmerson. Might have not been Jalmerson. I can't remember, but I think it was him. And I'm, like, sweating bullets. And here's, the, here's what made me, made me uh, upset at this. So a lot of those guys had the black credit card from American Express, with the one where you have to spend, like, a quarter of a million dollars a year on it or something silly like that or a million dollars on it. And it's heavy, right? It's, it's weighted. Yeah. So they put that in there. And it has a different size, a different weight. It's thicker. So if you're in there reaching around for credit cards, you're not going to take out my flimsy like Bank of America credit card that's made of paper. <laughs> and they have like this one that's made of like a different material. It's cool. And they pull that one out. And I'm like, oh, look at this one. Jonathan Taves. Like, this is neat. It's heavy. Oh, there's another one. So they got pulled out right away. And here's another thing that upset me. I didn't realize this and maybe I'm just naive or just trustworthy. Some guys put their cards next to their cup of ice or beer to cool it down. Just so when it's in there, it's colder. And I, I don't know if it's just a human instinct or what you feel something different and you want to f- see what it is. And like this card's cold. I'm going to pull it out. Oh, Jake Dowell, you got your card. And he's like, oh, yeah, I put it next to my cup because it makes it cold. I'm like, you <laughs> like it's just the, the, the extent people will, anyways, moving on. So it gets down to us three. They pull out Yalmerson. It's me and Bix. We're roommates. I'm like, this is the one. I, I look physically ill at this point. Like, I am upset. Like, I didn't want to play this stupid game. You guys bullied me into this, and now I'm going to lose, and I'm going to be out like over $1,000. And sure enough, Bickle gets called, and everybody, the table erupts because I was the one who didn't want to play. I don't want, I like, I have the money, but I'm just like, this is the worst. Like, I don't want to spend this. So the bill comes and it was like 15, 16, $1,700. I'm like, I'm not leaving a tip. No way. I'm not doing <laughs> it. Like you guys can all pony up a hundred bucks each and leave a tip. And I, I, and I didn't, I was like, I'm out of here. I paid the bill and left. I was so upset. <laughs> uh, it was one of the, I regret doing it that way, but I was so upset. I'm like, you guys suck. This is not fun. I didn't want to play. <laughs> Give me the bill, I paid it, and I said, "You guys are leaving a tip, and I'm leaving." So I was, hey, yeah, just a little baby pouting and leaving. The little, it's a little kid just doesn't like the rules, so he just quits the game. Oh, I threw a temper tantrum, and you better believe it. If I would have won, I would have been jumping on the table, celebrating, ordering another Labat Blue. But I was upset. I'm like, this game stinks. I'm not playing anymore. You guys are jerks. I'm going home. Then I didn't speak to anybody the whole next day. <laughs> Wait, it's this so- again. What's the dynamic like? Why isn't it just like the guys making like ten mil a year? Why don't they just quietly take the bill every time? I mean, not every time, but that happens, you know, more often than not. But I, I think they they get old. Like they they want to know that you can, you know, 
pay your own way. And it's like, I always offered. That's why a lot of the time I did pay for myself because I, I, I enjoyed a free meal. Don't get me wrong, but I also didn't like how they just picked up the tabs always because they would always pick it up. And, um, I don't know it gets old. Sometimes you want to have some fun and it, it, it is fun. It is really fun. But when it gets to that size of a table, when the bill is that big, where it's 15, 2000, 2,500, it, you know, it makes you sweat. And I had to call Danielle afterwards. I'm like, Hey, um, she's like, how was dinner? How's it going? I'm like, you know, it's good. You know, um, I'm <laughs> um, like, hey, how are you? You know, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we played credit card game. And I just, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I'm really sorry. She's like, how much was it? I was like, it's almost $2,000. And she's like, what? It's like, are you nuts? What are you doing? I was like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I didn't pay the tip though. <laughs> so it's funny. It's just, what, it's just a different life, Tim. I mean, yeah, this is all like, I can't even relate to any of this. What about, um, like, you always joke about being one of the, the cheaper guys, not wanting to spend or anything. Who was like the cheapest teammate? Who was like someone who just never wanted to spend a dime or always did like the, the Macarena when the credit cards came out? was looking for his wallet. It, it is funny that you would never guess, but it, it was Brent Burns. It, <laughs> I can see that. He spent the most money on the, like his stuff. Like if he really enjoyed something, he would spend a lot of money, whether it's cards or cars or like his house, his pool is insane. His pets, his animals, like he would go above and beyond, but he was so incredibly cheap when it came to like team stuff. You know what I mean? So I, I would say him where he would just, yeah, when the bill comes, he's got to go to the washroom and he would just expect guys to pay for it. So that, yeah, it, it would be Bernsey, but that, I'm right up there. I remember in Minnesota, my second year or my third year there, we, um, we would have to buy lunches because at that point the teams didn't pay for much. Like the game changed a lot when I was there where teams would start paying for lunches and dinners. They would understand that if you didn't give these guys food more often than not, they just go home and like they would not eat, especially the younger kids. Like if I didn't get lunch at the rink and I was my first, second year, I would just go home. I wouldn't eat anything. And it just affected your play. So back then what the players did, we like, okay, every week a player will pick up lunch. And we had like three or four practices at the rink during the week that were not game days. And so we would always kind of assign a player to that week. So I had to buy dinner or lunch like two or three times in the year. And guys would be nice. Like they'd pick up a pasta. They'd get a nice steak place or a sushi or whatever it may be. You know, Jimmy John's. <laughs> Don't say it. Come on. I ordered in Jimmy John's for the, for the boys every single time. And they would give me such a hard time that remember, um, how Kopechki and Hosa would put bubble gum in my bag. Yeah. So I would like take home the extra Jimmy John's if guys wouldn't eat it. Cause they're like, I'm not going to let this food go to waste. Like, okay, lunch is over. I'd hang around. I'd clean up. There'd be like six sandwiches left and I just take them home. So they saw this and then this, they just started loading my bags up with food every <laughs> time we were on the road because you'd get pizza and sandwiches after the games. And next thing I know, I'd be on the plane and open up my bag and there'd be like seven sandwiches in there. I'm like, come on, you guys. Like it, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just cheap. Maybe that's just how I am. And guys just, they know it. But yeah, yeah. So that's, 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 uh, Burns was cheap. I was, I wouldn't consider myself cheap. Like if I went to dinner, I would always pay my way, but I, I didn't go out of my way to spend money. You know what I mean? And that just went back to the fact that I always thought that year was my last. I signed one two year deal and that was it. Every other deal was one year. Must have been a pretty special off season for you during that, when you knew you already had a contract for next year. 
Oh, baby, I was just blowing it out. The workouts, they took a hit for sure. I can see <laughs> I can see how if you sign like a 10-year deal, you just shut it right down. The, co- the contracts are guaranteed. It happens There's all no, the time. All the time. All the time. As soon as you sign your big ticket, it's just a huge weight lifted off your shoulder. Solder. And I only had a two-year deal. So I was just like, man, this is great. I don't have to sweat it out. July 1st came around. I was like, this is great. I want golfing. Like, no, not, not a care in the world. I couldn't even imagine signing like a five or six year deal for 30 million bucks. Like I, I probably wouldn't lift a weight again in my life. I'd show up to camp like a hundred pounds overweight. I just work <laughs> myself into it. It's just so funny. I get, like Jeff Skinner and the Villy Lanos and all these guys who just completely shut it down after they get the big ticket. It's uh, I, I think if you want to make the game competitive, two year deals at the most. How about that? Imagine that to only have two year deals. That's a max allowable deal. how, much more competitive each game would be. Imagine all the guys that would be on, they all be on different teams all the time. You know, McDavid would go to Calgary for a couple of years and then he would go to New York and then he would go to San Jose and just make his money. It'd be crazy. The Jersey sales would be through the roof. Fans would love the engagement. It would oh, be yeah. like you would have the turnover for your team every single, it'd be so great. After this season, you'd be like, I'm losing half my team. This is unbelievable. If you had a bad year, I'm not saddled with Getzlaff and Perry and all these guys are going to be gone next year. There's no like having to carry a contract for 10 years like the Chicago Blackhawks are going to be in, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Anaheim Ducks, the San Jose Sharks. They'd be, they would all be gone. I think we might be onto something, Tim. Yeah, but if you, if you, have you heard this idea five years ago when you were still in the league, you would have just laughed it out the door. I wouldn't care. I was already getting, t- yes, <laughs> obviously it's not going to happen, but the idea of it is pretty fun to be like only yeah. allowed two year deals. How great would that be? The contracts would be through the roof, too. They would, they would absolutely spike. There would be no $10 million a deal. They would be $15 million bucks. That would be like a max contract. The teams would be bidding wars. It would, be, it would make them skyrocket. There would be no, like, dynasties either. Like, the cores, the cores wouldn't stay together for years on end. You know what I mean? I think you would have the super teams like they do in basketball. Yeah. Like, the players would make, meet up and they're like, hey, let's go play in Boston and win five cups and have fun and we'll all make, like, three million bucks. You know what I mean? And, and guys would do that. You can't do that really nowadays, but I, I could see that happening. It, it'll never happen, but I'm a, I am a, one of these thinkers that I'm ahead of my time. So, who knows? <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Who knows? You and you and Socrates, just uh, ahead of your time. I honestly, that's what my friends used to call me growing up, Socrates. What is that? I don't know. I'm kidding. Socrates? <laughs> Who's that? But anyways, it's fun. I would say, you know what's funny, though? If I were to pick the most enjoyable like years of my career, nothing beats being in the AHL when you first make pro hockey and there's not a care in the world and you're making not pennies, but I think I was making 50 grand. I didn't have many bills. It was so fun. We'd finish practice. We'd, we'd get back to the apartment complex. We all lived in the same spot. We all had the same goal. We were all pulling on the same rope. Everyone wanted to get to the NHL. We'd grab a couple cases of beer and go down to the pool and just hang out. You know what I mean? It was just simple. There was no distractions. No one was worried about wives or kids or money or agents or endorsements or anything. It was like you finish up practice, you go grab a couple cases of beer, and then you spend the night there. It was just, it was really, really relaxing. It was fun. When you get to the NHL, it turns into a business. It gets competitive. You're worried about all these different things. You're worried about losing your contract and getting sent down. When you're worried about getting called up, it's not as stressful as worried about getting sent down. It's it, it really isn't. So my most enjoyable hockey times as a whole season was probably my first, second, and third year in, in Houston. It was just such a blast. Anyways, that's all. 
Yeah, you're just a little in my kid last back year then. in St. John's. My last year in St. John's, through all the turmoil, was pretty fun. It was nice to go back and play with the kids and just like I picked up the tabs, you know, for dinner, and the full tab for a whole team was like six hundred bucks. I was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah, you're the hero. I know. Or... I'm like, can we get a family pasta bowl? It's on me, and the pasta bowl costs like forty bucks. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Get a couple <laughs> more for the boys. <laughs> that was funny. That's that funny good stuff. Good times. Good times. Is there anything like that for you, Tim, at your work? Which what? What what exactly? When you're when your boss is paying for dinner or you're paying for dinner or you go out with clients and it's just like a blast. Yeah. I mean we when we back in the old days when the COVID before COVID happened, we'd have clients come to town and we'd always I mean they were spend quite a bit of money with us. So we'd always take them out for a nice dinner every night they were here. And of course the company's pick, picking it up. So I'm just I'm just uh enjoying life, but no uh no two, three thousand dollar charges or anything like that. It's like a it's all relative. Plate. Yeah. It is all relative. Everybody thinks it's a different lifestyle, but you know, going to an Ocean Prime or a Morton's or a fancy steakhouse is the same as going to like Outback Steakhouse. It's all about who you're with, your company. It honestly is. I have fun now just eating chicken wings at my buddy's house. More fun than I had going out with these guys at like a nightclub or something. It was just always, yeah, it's all relative. Anyways, Tim, I've had enough. We got an interview this weekend or this week. We're back. Who we got? Finally, Marcus Felino. Never heard of him. Stop. <laughs> He's so a cool guy. I, I was lucky enough to play with Marcus in Buffalo. Then he followed me to Minnesota. Well, I didn't follow me. He played, went to Minnesota, and uh, he's a good dude. Like, just a really down-to-earth guy. His wife is lovely. She's really sweet. They just had their second daughter. So it'll be, it'll be good to have him on the show. His, his dad is obviously hockey. I don't want to say royalty, but superstar. His brother, Nick, is in the league. Like it's, it's a pretty good hockey bloodline they have. So it'd be cool to get him on. I, you know what I want to ask him? And, I, and I'm nervous, and I'm going to. What it's like to play in the Minnesota Wild knowing that you swung for the fences and missed? For those two contracts? Yes. And what it's like in the locker room knowing that. And I, I'm going to word it differently, but like you're not – you – how do you, how do you word a question like that where it's just, it's one of those questions where it's like, we know you're a loser. How does it feel to be a loser? You know what I mean? And not him personally, but like the team in general, it's a very, it's a very sensitive, I'm going to word it. I'm, I'm a wordsmith. So I'll figure out something, but I that's what I want to ask him. If in the off season, how was that to wrap your head around where, you know, you're going to compete, but you know, you're not going to win the Stanley cup. You think he'll really answer that though? No, I don't. I think the answer will be, we got a good team this year. We're really competitive. We're happy. We've got some good pickups and we'll, you know, we're, we're going to do our best. That's, that's the, you can't be like, yeah, it stinks. What I will ask him is, and he'll give me an honest answer. What was it like in Buffalo when we were in the dumps? <laughs> yeah. Because that answer correlates to his answer, his real answer in Minnesota, because it's the same type of feeling. It's almost worse when you know that there's nowhere to go. Like you, you're spending all this money and you're stuck. In Buffalo, we knew we could get better because we weren't spending anything. And we knew we could get better if we got some talent. But they're stuck. Like, he's stuck there for a while. Is Zuccarello there still? Yeah, Zuccarello's there. They got Parisi. They got Suter. Ugh, they're saddled with a lot of bad contracts. They got some good defense, though. They do. And Marcus Foligno. So we'll talk to him. His nickname's the Moose. He's a good dude. He just had a baby a couple months ago, him and Natasha. So... We'll get him, and then any. What's the update on Justin Johnson, Tim? 
I was texting him yesterday, actually. What's his um, deal? He said, let me know when you guys want to do it. The only difference is it's a five-hour time difference. That's, well, the, that's the challenge. I don't want to interview the guy. Why would I want to interview someone who knocked me out? You like, interviewed Cole Knorr, who got yeah, you. Yeah, but he hit me in the stomach. That wasn't a knockout. That was a technical knockout. Like, Johnson KO'd me. Let's get it on the books. Tell him to wake up early or stay up late. I don't know how the time time works there. Yeah, whatever. And then we can release it anytime we want. Like, what am I going to ask him? What was it like to beat me up? <laughs> How'd that feel? It'll be a good, that would be a fun one. It'll be a good interview. I'll text him again tomorrow. Yeah. I can text him now. He's probably having lunch right now out in Alaska. Yeah, it's four in the afternoon there. But, anyways, um, thanks for listening, everybody. I I, uh, actually, you know what? I got to give a shout out to this company in Chicago, nicerink.com. They sent me some uh, tarps to make a rink at my new house because we have a big flat layout. They work great. It's a 75 by 100 foot liner. And they work absolutely great. They're thick. Like, they're, what are you shaking your head for, Tim? When are you going to have me over to skate? Well, I gotta, it's got to freeze, and i got to put water on it. Like, it, I, it's in the you know, initial stages where we're putting up the boards and stuff. Okay. But I'll get you over. Would you come? Yeah. We really? Should, we should tape something. I haven't seen you skate yet. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm not great in tight spaces. I need a lot of room. You know? It's a 100-foot by 75-foot liner. Okay. But anyways, if you need a liner and you want to hook up your backyard or whatever, go to nicerink.com. I'm not even just selling it. It's, it's a good product. I know the people, Tyler. They're good people. They're from Chicago, big Hawks fans. But don't let that sway you if you're a St. Louis fan. It's a good product. Everything's made in the USA. So go check out nicerink.com. They do an unbelievable job. They set me up nice. They gave me a rink. They gave a rink for my, my kid's school. So we're going to put a tarp out on their school uh, soccer field and get them set up. It's just a really, really, really good product. I highly recommend it. Don't try to go cheap it out and go buy one of those tarps from Walmart or Target or wherever you get your Canadian tire. Get the, get the good stuff. It's, a, it's like a fraction more and it'll last you years and years longer. So go to nicerink.com. Tell them John sent you. You'll get, you get some good, good product. Anyways, Tim, it's time to go. I'll see you on Wednesday, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Cheers. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter at dropping underscore gloves for episode highlights, behind the scenes content, sneak peeks, and giveaways. Check out johnscottallstar.com slash shop for merchandise including t-shirts, hats, hoodies, and so much more. And please, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's so important to helping us grow so we can keep delivering the hockey content and interviews with the players you love. Thanks and see you next time.